Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. And if you haven't heard me speak before, I hope you don't think it's worth 20 cents after the service this morning. We've been on holidays last couple of weeks. We got to go away and spend some time with my sister and our injury in Bay. And we had two full weeks off and spent like four days away. And it was good, good time away. It was good, nice and relaxing. Hopefully some people here got some time away. I know some people got like 12 weeks away or six weeks away. Or some of you are like, I haven't even had a break in 16 years. But I've got to say, what what I received just then as I was standing and worshipping probably did more for my soul than those two weeks of space. And I realized this morning I actually needed to worship, to settle some stuff that's been unsettled in my soul. And I guess I come to church every week And I sing songs of worship every week, and you may too, but I guess I was just brought back to to remember that every time we corporately gather to worship, there is an opportunity for encounter. There is an opportunity for exchange. And we don't just come to worship for us to be blessed, but the byproduct of our worship as we lift up his name is we are blessed. We are blessed as we lift the name of Jesus, as we look to Jesus. And uh, I thank you guys for for leading us this morning so uh, wonderfully in worship. This morning I I was getting prepared for the uh, message and my son came to me. And my kids are probably going to have to have therapy because you guys are like sermon illustrations all the time. But he came to me and he goes, Dad, do you know where my gorilla shirt is? And my first thought is, why are you asking me that? I don't even know where my shirt is. But he he was like, do you know where my gorilla shirt is? And I thought, what did I say? No, ask mum. And he he walked away and he was pretty disappointed. And then I went in the office and I was just sitting there and I was was printing some stuff off. And he came back and I could see he was really disappointed. He goes, Dad, well, do you at least know where my yellow shorts are? I don't take an inventory of your clothes and where you put your clothes. And what did I say? Go and check with mum. And he wore his yellow shirts, or shorts. I saw him when he got in, so he must have found them. But I actually, it took me back to uh, when I was a child and when I was a young boy. And it made me think about how some of the things that my mum used to say to me. And how there is a difference between a boy look and a mum look. I don't know if you noticed that, but my mom used to say two things that would frustrate me when I would ask her, where is this? The first thing she would say is, well, just go and have a look where you last left it. Do you not, is that not like the most sarcastic thing you could say to someone who's looking for something? Just go back to the last place you left. Well, if I knew where I left it last, it wouldn't be lost and I wouldn't be looking for it, would I? And the other thing she would say, are you having a boy look? And I had to like, I was having you know, a little bit of a therapy session this morning with the Holy Spirit there uh, about 
the, the boy look, but I realized that there is a, a, such a thing as the boy look. The boy look where we kind of, what, what are we looking for? We look quickly, we look, you know, thing, and then ask mum, and mum will be like, I know where it is at the back of the inventory, bang, it's on the third shelf. It's like a gift of revelation or something. But I feel that this morning, you know, that whole idea of taking a proper look, not just a glance, not just the boy look, but having a look at how Jesus would have us interact with this world. We're going to read from a passage that you're probably familiar with. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 9. And just to take note that when we read Matthew's gospel, it's obviously Matthew who is writing this gospel and he's giving his... uh, eyewitness account of what Jesus was happening. I think sometimes we kind of detach from the fact that these were real people that were walking with the real Jesus and seeing things and taking note of things. Ultimately, he, he wrote this because the Holy Spirit inspired him to. We know that all of Scripture is God-breathed. But there is something in the, the personal uh, uh, understanding of the apostles of the disciples where they saw certain things and they took note of it and they wrote it down for us and I'm very thankful that they did that we're going to read from Matthew chapter 9 and uh, as I said before you might be familiar with it it says Jesus uh, verse 35 sorry through to 38 it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. There's are three little markers that you'll see of Jesus' ministry. Wherever he would go, he would do those three things. We'd see these three things taking place. He would teach from the scriptures. He would teach. It's important to teach. He would proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Proclaim that the kingdom is here. We've heard that this morning. And we'd see that he would see that the, the, the sick would be healed. It was a marker of his ministry. He's traveling right now through a place called Galilee. And it said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew takes note of this, of what Jesus said after this encounter where, where he's, they're, they're doing all this stuff and then they see that these crowds have started to gather. This wasn't uh, you know, not an unnormal or unnatural thing for Jesus' ministry. There were crowds that would surround wherever he was going by this point in time. But at that day, on that day, something about this interaction, whether it was the way Jesus looked or the what he said, got Matthew's attention enough to, to, to hold on to it and to write it down. He noted that Jesus saw the crowd and that the effect of seeing this group of people, this crowd of people, did something to him. Because then he, said, he notes that Jesus had compassion for them because they were like sheep without shepherd they were scattered they were helpless they were hopeless and so there was a there was a, a a compassion that was visible and evident to everyone around as Jesus looked at this group of people and then it says that he then talks to his disciples about this group of people and he makes a statement about what is actually taking place 
Now, the disciples may have just thought, oh, this is another group. This is another crowd. This is another big, huge party of people that are following Jesus. But Jesus makes a statement and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest or pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The disciples would have understood that he wasn't talking about the grain that was around them. He was talking about the people that were right before them. But Jesus seemed to see things differently to others and to us. And while some of the disciples might have saw the crowd, Jesus saw the crowd. They might have seen a whole heap of people, but Jesus saw that there was a group of people that were helpless and hopeless and needed a shepherd. And then he says to the disciples, that is the harvest and it is plentiful. Their culture at that time was farming. They would have been understood even this phrase and this, this idea that when the harvest got to a certain point, the farmers would send out message to go and get extra people to come and to, to bring in the harvest because the job was often too much for one or two to do. So they would go out, you know, the harvest is ready, bring people in so that we can, we can uh, bring in the harvest. So they were familiar with this, but on this moment, Matthew takes account of it. I felt to give us this morning maybe a, f- a few things to think about when it comes to praying and perhaps a couple of dangerous prayers. Who likes to pray quite dangerously? A few of us. Well, here is a dangerous prayer. Lord, help me see as you see. Lord, help me to see the way that you see. You might see the crowd, but Jesus sees through the crowd and he sees the individual. He sees the hurting person. He sees the hopeless person. And he stops everything to say, these people need a shepherd. He saw the crowd. And he saw the need for a shepherd. We take note that this took place in a place called Galilee, as I said before. Galilee had a nickname, which was the land of the rejected or the region of the rejected. And we hear that one of Jesus' disciples actually says, well, can anything good come from Galilee? It was a common saying of the day because not much good came from this region. And it's funny that in this very region, people catch Jesus' attention. Where everyone else sees the rejected, this is a place of desolation. This is a place where where people just go to get away. Jesus sees that this is people that he loves and that he has come to ransom and redeem. Do you see the way that he sees? I was reading and I was thinking, you know, Matthew, he's writing this. And if you go just a little bit back, and we will, you'll see that Matthew probably can relate to the statement that Jesus has made. It's in the same chapter we see the call of Matthew. He was a tax collector. I'm going to read it just from Matthew 9, 13. It says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, 
So Jesus saw Matthew. When the Pharisees saw this, this group of people together, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What did they see? Tax collectors and sinners. What did Jesus see? People. What did Jesus see? Matthew. The Pharisees saw something, but their interpretation was very different to Jesus. On hearing this, Jesus said, Is it not the healthy who need it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call the not the righteous not to call I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In the same setting, these Pharisees, these religious people, they're like, What what is he doing? He's sitting with tax collectors and he's sitting with sinners. And where was the party? Matthew's. What took place? Matthew had an encounter with Jesus. He calls him. And then he brings his friends together, all the other tax collectors, all the other sinners in in the city. And they come together. And they're like, he's like, I want you to meet this Jesus that I've just met. And Jesus sits with them and dines with them and has fellowship with them. And the religious see, what is he doing? Because Jesus sees people differently. You want to have a dangerous prayer this year? God, help me to see people the way you see them. To see beyond all of the the brokenness. To see beyond all the labels and the things that they may put on themselves or that we may put on them. To see the, the imprint of God's nature on that person. I mean, this can help with some of the ways we do relationships and some of the tensions that we may have in our relationships. Because if you want a better understanding of someone, ask God to show you how he sees them. Lord, pray, give me some insight in this, God. Can you show me what what you think of that person? Because he's not sitting there thinking he hates them. You might be. God, give me revelation. Show me how you care for this person. What is your heart toward this person? Dangerous prayer. I reckon that's probably part of why Jesus said pray for your enemies. It's hard to keep enemies if you pray for them. They may stay your enemy, but it's hard to keep your hard heart towards someone if you cover them in prayer, if you hold them in prayer. To see people differently. You know, the the young, good-looking young man in the blue shirt that was playing guitar before, he hasn't always been a worship leader. The tattoos may give it away. There was a time when he was a broken young man who was getting into trouble with the police, couch surfing, living out of different houses. You wouldn't see that now. But God saw him, saw beyond the brokenness, saw beyond all those behaviors, and saw that he was a child that he loved, that he had come to rescue and to redeem. I haven't always been a pastor. I'm actually a pastor with a past. And I don't have tats on my arms. But someone saw me differently. God saw me differently. Different to how I saw myself, different to how everyone else saw me. And I'm thankful that God brought people into my life that were able to listen to what he said, not what the world says. 
Oh, that we would have people who look at people with the love that God has for them. To see people the way he sees them. We see this other, there's another time when uh, Jesus actually says this and it's noted about the harvest being plentiful. The harvest is ripe. It actually takes place in John's gospel in John chapter 4. And it is taking place as Jesus has just had an interaction with a Samaritan woman. Samaritan. That's kind of the enemy. A woman, a rabbi talking to a woman, not allowed. And Jesus has had this interaction and his disciples have come back to him. And then he's, the lady has gone back to Samaria. She's told everybody about what Jesus has said to her. She's brought people to him and there's this flood of people, crowds of people flooding toward him. And he says to the disciples, lift up your eyes. You're going to have to posture your eyes differently to see what's taking place. What do they see? A group of Samaritans coming towards them. A group of the enemy coming towards them. What does Jesus see? The harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. These are the ones that I have come to save. He sees it differently. Pray that God would give us eyes to see differently. But then we see something else that takes place. It says that when he saw them, he had compassion on them. Here's another dangerous prayer. God, help me to feel what you feel. This one can be very dangerous. Lord, would you give me compassion? Show me what you feel for this person, stuck, hopeless, lost, like a sheep without a shepherd. What is it that your heart is for that person? How do you feel? And Jesus was compassionate. He was filled with compassion. Not only does he see things differently, but his heart is different. Oh, that we would have in us the love of God for others. And the compassion, the grace that he has for us. I dare say that the current, I guess one of the current uh, challenges with our society is the overwhelm of our souls. You turn on the TV, you open your phone, you, you, you are flooded with information. Most of it is negative about what's happened here and what's going on here and how this is taking place. And constantly we're being bombarded with these messages and our soul is overwhelmed. And we can get this thing which is kind of like a compassion fatigue where we hear it so often that we just become familiar with it. Yeah, okay, I get it. Bad things happen. People are hurting. There's addiction. There's brokenness. There's abuse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. May we never, ever, ever become familiar and apathetic with the brokenness of humanity. It is not our job to fix. I understand that. But our hearts are to be open to those who are lost and and, and struggling and broken and are in need of what we know and the one we know. We can shut our hearts off. We, we were driving yesterday and we saw, uh, we were just driving past Malaga 
and the, we stopped at an intersection and there were four points on the intersection and on each of those four points there was someone with a sign who was asking cars for money. Saw the first one on this point, then saw someone over on that point, then that point, and then that point. And I was thinking, is this like a gang? Is this a group? Like, are they scamming? My first reaction was cynical. Thank you, Bethany. Cynicism. My first reaction was, it was they're trying to just scam us. It wasn't compassion. Because I've seen it so often, I've become familiar with it so often. And whilst it's not my job to give money to every person that, that's asking, it is my job to keep my heart soft before people so that God can speak and say, okay, that one there, go and help. That one there, go and minister. Not to write it off before it even takes place. But this is where we have to come and bring our hearts to God to Him and allow Him to do the work that only He can do in us to bring us to that place where that love wells up in our hearts by His Spirit. To feel what He feels for the lost and the broken. I don't know if you've ever been given a burden by God for a people, for a person, for, for something. It wasn't that long ago I was at a youth alive uh, kind of rally. And during the worship, I felt like God was just impressing on my heart the need for you know, mentors in young people's lives. And I became so overwhelmed with this sense of his heart toward a generation that is walking in darkness. I became so taken by you know, the faces and the names of those young people even in our church community who didn't have someone to walk alongside them or to, to, to be with them. And I had this burden that, that welled up in tears. And I know there's other people in the room that have had sense like this before. Where God has shown you something. He's given you a people group maybe to pray for. He's put something on your heart that you are passionate about. That you, you, you're just like, that is not right. That can't happen. And he's given you a burden. He's got your attention. He's showing you how he feels about that thing. Don't brush it off. Embrace it. Don't carry it yourself. But if you dare, ask him. Show me, God, what it is that you feel for this group. Show me what it is that you feel for, for this person. Show me, help, help me to understand your heart towards them. Because Matthew took note, he was like, Jesus' reaction was different. He had compassion. He wasn't like, get rid of these people, they're wasting my time. He, he felt something for them. His heart was toward them. Lord, let me feel what you feel. And then let that compassion move you to action. Here is a word that you probably won't find in the dictionary because I actually made it up. I confess that. It's called compaction. And it's a blend of compassion and action. And I think that's where God kind of leads us to, is that our hearts are filled with compassion that leads to action. 
Compassion, that's not just, you know, I'm just going to feel, feel the, the emotion or feel sad or feel bad about this, but, but I'm actually going to do something toward this so that I can be part of what God's solution is for this in this world. Perhaps even in this room, there are people who carry a burden for a certain thing, a certain ministry, a certain group of people. And your heart is just so that they can experience freedom or experience life, experience what you know in Jesus. I want to encourage you to continue to seek him. Continue to hold that. Don't give it up. So There is someone here. There's been door after door after door that has been closed as you have tried to uh, walk in, in that burden and that passion that God has had. And it's door after door after door that has been closed. That is not God saying no to you. That is just God directing you to the right door. So do not let, let go of that, that burden, that passion, whatever it may be. Maybe it's for people in domestic violence. Maybe it's for uh, people who are experiencing all sorts of things, mental health, whatever it may be. Just go with that burden that God has given you. I feel to encourage us today to, to move in that because as you have, you've caught his heart, he's going he's gonna to bless what you do in that area and other people are going to experience it because of you. We see that with Matthew and we see that with that lady, the Samaritan lady, that other people experience what Jesus is and who he is because of their experience of him. To open our hearts to feel what he feels for others. Be careful of apathy. Again, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty or to overwhelm us. We have to understand that the need is not the call. The call is the call. But God calls us often to need. And if need was the call, then we'd be called in all different directions. So we've got to listen to what he's saying to us about the need that we're called to meet. Not just everything. Or you will become overwhelmed and you will carry things in your own strength. But to have a heart, what, God, what, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about this? You know, this was actually something that I, I put into practice in my, my personal transformation. And it wasn't necessarily in, in, in uh, the area of people. It was actually in, in the area of my own sin, of my own struggles. I brought stuff to God and said, God, give me your heart for this. What, what, what is your heart on this area? And like, you need to let that go. You need to get healing in that space. And then it became less about me trying to grip my teeth and stop doing stuff and more about having a revelation of God's heart towards stuff, which then I can work, he can work in me to move away from. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But then we see this last prayer. Well, I'm calling it a prayer, a dangerous prayer. God, send me wherever you want. You ready for that? Yeah, come on. So the people who have, have prayed this before are laughing. They're like, <laughs> good luck with that one. To go wherever he sends. Read a quote from David Platt. It says, this is the heart of Jesus. He died to redeem people, to ransom men and women for God from every nation and tribe and people and language. This is what we live for. This is what we live for. 
So what's Jesus? They have this interaction, and, and you've got to see genius. Jesus is a genius. He's like really, really smart. Like he knows some stuff that we don't know. And he, he says to them, they see him looking at the crowds, and they see the compassion that he has. And then his instruction to them is this. Pray then to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up laborers to go into his harvest field. Okay? That's what he says to them. Hey, guys, there's a whole group of people here that need some love, that need the message of hope that we have. So you pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll raise people up and send them out. And I, I wonder if their prayer was like, God, please send people to that group. Send someone. Send Kyle. Send Darren. Send, send Beth. Send them out to that group of people. But you know what comes after Matthew 9? It's not a trick question. Matthew 10. And let's read the start of Matthew 10. This is, this is right after this, directly after this. It says, Jesus then called his disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These were the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip and Bar Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, side note, who betrayed him. So this, this is it. Hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out people into that harvest field. And so then the next thing is he calls them to himself and he sends them out. What if God wants to send you into that situation? What if God wants to, to, to give you the heart and then to call you to go into that group to be part of the solution for them? And we're praying for others. God, raise up others. And he gets them. He got their attention. They saw now what he saw. They, they, they experienced what he felt. And now he's like, you guys, go. Go out to that harvest field. Go and bring this message. Go and heal the sick. Go and do those things. You are potentially part of the answer to your own prayer. Lord, this burdens my heart to see this. Okay, go. He called them together and he sent them out. Lord, I, I want to see this nation reached for Jesus. Okay, go and reach the nation for Jesus. Lord, this, this area where uh, this stuff is happening, my heart is, is burdened for it. Would you raise someone up to go? And he's like, yeah, you go. i got a good idea. you got the heart for it? You go and be part of his blessing in that area. He gets their attention and he brings them to it. You've got to pay attention to those things that get your attention. What is it that frustrates you? What is it that, that builds life in you? What are those things that maybe God is calling you to focus on in this year? And if you dare, pray, Lord, I'll go wherever you send. Then he will send, will you go? May we have eyes that can see the way that he sees, hearts that feel the way that he feels, 
and feet that are ready to move in the direction that he, go, he, he leads us in, that he sends us in, whatever it may look like, to whoever it may be. He saw the, the, the harvest and he said, the harvest is plentiful. I could stand here for the next 74 hours, but the aircon is not working on the stage, so I'll leave it, I'll keep it to like three minutes. And I could tell you story after story after story after story of what God is doing in this community, of what God is potentially doing in the school that you work in, of what God is doing in the street that you live in, of what God is doing around us in this community. He is at work. And the harvest is plentiful. There has never been an issue with the harvest. But it seems like there's always been an issue with the laborers. Even Jesus is saying that. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. And so pray therefore, if you dare, to the Lord of the harvest that he may raise up laborers to go into his harvest fields. His harvest field. And the harvest is for his glory, not for our own. Eyes to see, hearts to feel, and feet that would move with the good news. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? And if you dare, would you pray with me that God would do this work in us, that his kingdom may be extended through this little group of people here. Father, we thank you. Thank you firstly for your word. And as we open and engage with the scriptures this morning, even just small passages. We see your heart. We see your instruction. We see what you're saying to us. My prayer for me and anyone else in the room that is desiring this is that you would help us to lift up our eyes to see the harvest around us to see the hopeless the lost however they're labelled whatever they're called that are like sheep without a shepherd Lord, that you would give us eyes to see in this year how you love people. That you would break down the prejudice that we have built. Those dividing barriers. Instructed. And you would help us to see people not as problems, not as projects, but as precious. 
For you didn't come to build huge buildings. You came to seek and save that which was lost. Lord, I pray you'd give us eyes to see the lost and the hurting in our world and hearts that would be moved with compassion, filled with your love for those around us, that we wouldn't try and operate in our own strength or in our own degree and measure of love, but we would operate, live and function in the abundance of your great love. And the overflow of our lives would be the love of Jesus for people. God, we hold our our souls before you where there is burden, where there is apathy, even where there's exhaustion. And we invite you by your spirit to do a work. To lift again. To love again. To hope again. To have faith again. I pray for those in this room that would ask God for a burden or direction in the burden that they have, Father, that you would give that to them. And that you would lead us into action. That we wouldn't be passive. And we wouldn't just sit and watch. But we would be part of your work in this world. We pray to the Lord of the harvest. Would you raise up laborers, raise up workers to go into your harvest field and to bring in those lives, those souls of those that are lost, that you are pursuing, those that do not even know you, that have cursed you, that have walked away from you, that you continue to love For your heart is not that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and faith in Jesus. And it doesn't, you do not delight in the death of the wicked. But your desire is that all would turn and find life in the Son. And Lord, I pray you would raise us up. This group of people in this hot gym as laborers to go into your harvest fields and to reach this community for the sake of the Christ who reached us. May they see our good works and not glorify the name of the church or our name. But may they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. All glory, all honor, and all power be yours now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty, majestic, and matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. If you prayed that with me, Good luck. You're about to step into the greatest adventure, which is not just about coming for an hour and 33 minutes.
to an hour and 45 minutes to sometimes even longer on a Sunday. But it's about taking what God is doing in you to your world, to your street, to your workplace, to the nations, that He would be glorified and that people would hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand back we to Garfield. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.